0: Like it was like everywhere. It was like this loudest voice. I I can't really even describe it. It was just like powerful. It was like a vibration Mm. and just the gap between each word. This stops now. And then everything just sped back up again. And that's like it was just like watching a movie. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it was just probably one of the most profound moments of my life. Because I knew in that instant, God, God is real. He's real.
1: All I could see was this light coming in. The Holy Spirit went. It blew into me. I have never been the same since then. That was it. I'm done. I was born again. Welcome to the Weird Christian Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Delgado, and this is episode 55. I interview Meredith Swift about her autobiography, From New Age to New Creation. So, of course, this is her story of her coming out of the new age, and we get into a little bit of, of everything. We talk about seances, past lives, uh, her experience with uh, abortion and an abusive marriage, uh, hearing the voice of God, and ultimately how God heals everything. So, with no further ado, let's get Weird. Welcome. I am uh, just delighted to say that you are uh, my first international guest on the show.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, Samuel. Yes, I'm from Australia, as you might be able to tell from my accent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I had to look. I think I actually... Um, you know, I can see on Analytics sometimes where my listeners are listening from. We've had some Australian listeners before. Uh, I'm sure okay. there'll be more uh, now that you're, uh, you're the guest. So uh, welcome. Um, <laughs> I did not actually realize that you were in Australia when I called you initially. So it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> the reason why it worked out for this time is because it's, well, it's six um, in the evening for me. And it's 9 a.m. in the morning for you.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And I realized that when I called you at 6. And so I thought, well, let's just stick with this time if it works. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, why don't uh, we start out just by hearing um, a little bit, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about your Your book which is autobiographical Uh, so we're really going to hear your your incredible story. Um, Just give us a little bit of background on who you are and then um, you know tell us uh, how you grew up and how you came to know Christ.
0: Yeah okay so I'm Meredith and uh, I live in a a town called Townsville in North Queensland uh, a long way from where I actually grew up. Uh, So I grew up uh, in another state of Australia called Victoria on a small, in a small farming community. So I'm a, a farm girl originally, mm. uh, and uh, I grew up in a family, uh, five kids, my mum and dad. So my mum was a nurse, my dad was a farmer. And my mum used to take us to church. Uh, my dad was an atheist, but mum used to take us to church but really didn't know or think about Jesus so much as as about God. And I used to wonder about God when I was a little girl, you know, who was he, where was he, what could he do, you know, and I used to daydream about God actually but never really thought about Jesus. So during my childhood I was very much interested in, you know, the darker side of life, I would say. Uh, so I had a real fascination for you know, things like the spirit world, vampires, um, you know, seances, all of that sort of thing. So uh, because I really me, had no. Let me ask,
1: where do you think that fascination came from? Uh, you, do you have a family history of that or was that just, you know, something you were introduced uh, to kind of within? Um, you?
0: I think as a, as a kid, I've always had a, an, uh, a wondering about the other side of life. I've always Mm. believed there was another side to life but i think the influences came from the sort of tv shows i would watch because Mm. back in the um the 60s and early 70s when i grew up there were a lot of tv shows like the twilight zone and night stalker uh, Mm. and things like that uh, the the vampire movies they used to actually show those movies at my school as a like a an end of year thing so yeah, mm. and I just—I was fascinated with the thought that there was another realm beyond the physical. So mm. uh, that—that's wow. probably why I was influenced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So I grew up um, a lot of there was a lot of mental illness in my family. So, um, you know, very much had to depend on my own resources because my mum was, you know, she had a breakdown and and. My dad had been through the war, so I was quite a depressed sort of person. So I really built this mm. kind of fantasy world that I had of, you know, the spiritual realms. And mm. um, so so as I uh, left school, um, I moved to a, a larger city called Melbourne uh, and I was really searching for community. I was searching for Something different to what I'd already known, and I then stumbled, really stumbled into the New Age, um, and started exploring um, things like crystals, um, alternative healing. I studied to be a therapeutic masseur, um, really studied that whole mind and body connection, uh, and went into spiritual healing. Uh, in my own, I went into meditation and yoga and all of those sorts of things. And then so I'm going through my life, uh, and I probably was around about, I was 34 when I had my first child, and uh, my marriage was very dysfunctional, a lot of domestic violence, and my first child was born, uh, and she had a disability. So I was still practising New Age philosophy then, but I began to realise that it wasn't helping me at all. Like I was in a very dark place and, you know, all my practice of positive thinking and, and new age philosophy and, you know, alternative healing, they still weren't, they weren't helping me at all. And I was actually becoming more and more depressed uh, with my marriage as well. It was very depressive. And I started searching um searching for something else I didn't know what it was I knew there was a hole in me that couldn't be filled by the new age uh, and by just saying love and light and positive affirmations which I was very big in I didn't have the time really with a special needs daughter and you know being in a domestic violence situation to even you know do any sort of healing like I was used to to sort out my problems Uh, and so yeah around about I think I was close to 50 and I changed jobs and uh, I'd retrained to be a kindergarten teacher and I changed jobs. And my ex-husband and I went to live, um, we were back in Queensland, we went to live in the same town as his parents and his mother was a Jehovah's Witness. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I remember thinking before I moved, thinking maybe if we go there, I'll find God. I remember thinking that. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, his mum, my ex-husband's mum would witness to me and, and talk to me about Jehovah's Witness philosophy and i think, oh, I'm not sure about that. It doesn't really click with me. I Yeah, it just didn't seem like that's what I was looking for. But when I came to Ingham, that's the town that I um, pretty much settled in, um, I had changed jobs and one of the teachers in my new job was a born-again Christian. So she started witnessing to me in a very gentle sort of way. She was, um, you know, she would talk to me about having a relationship with Jesus and she got me really thinking about Jesus. She would pray with me even Mm -hmm. though I had no no, uh, intention of becoming a Christian because I thought, oh, you know, I've done too many things in my life. It's boring to be a Christian. Um, There'll be no more fun, like all those sort of things which, you know, being, having a, you know, feeling depressed, I did want to have fun and I did want to do things that were enjoyable. And to me, Christianity wasn't any of that. That was the Christianity I grew up with, you know. You sit in the pew, you listen to the minister, you have to wear your white hat and your gloves and you have to do the right thing, whatever that is.
2: So, um,
0: yes, so my friend started witnessing to me and then one day she came, she said, do you want to come home for a cup of tea? And and I was really scared. I kind of knew that if I went to her place, something was going to happen. I sensed it. So anyway, I said, yeah, okay. So we went to her house and, and she said, do you want to pray the prayer? And receive Jesus, and I was, you know, thinking, oh, what difference is that going to make, you know? Mm, <laughs> so wow. I said, okay, I will. <laughs> so uh, I was really scared, uh, and I realized now, you know, it was probably the enemy that was putting that fear into me because I had mm. no reason to be scared. We're just praying a prayer, right? Yeah. Um, so we prayed the prayer, and uh, my friend Jean, she said, Do you feel different? And I said, Well, no, not really. I don't feel anything at all. So anyway, she said, well, you know, she said, just, you know, we'll keep in touch and see how you're going. Anyway, so on the way home, I remember saying to God, look, if you're real, I want you to show me a sign. And uh, so I got home and so this was probably 3.30 in the afternoon and my younger daughter, uh, she came home at about that time and we were just chatting. She said, oh, Mum, guess what happened to me at school today? And uh, I said, well, guess what happened to me? And then I said, but you first, you tell me. And she said, well, mom, some people from Gideon's Bibles. And I don't know if you have that, <laughs> if you have that in America, Gideon's Bibles. Do you have that um, there?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it sounds, yeah. maybe we'll elaborate on what that is, because I know yeah. I've heard it before
0: yeah well they're, they're they're people um from it's called Gideon society and they they leave Bibles in hotel rooms and they go around to schools mm. and and they talk about Christ and accepting mm. Jesus so my daughter Melissa she said, you know these people from Gideon's came and it was the last um part of the school day so it was about the same time I was at Jean's she said, oh and they gave us all a Bible and and there was this prayer in the back and I said a prayer and I <laughs> accepted jesus (laughs) so i thought uh, so later i think i said to god well i guess that you you've given me the sign you know and uh so yeah and uh that was amazing like and i really i knew then yeah god was real um Mm. looking back i probably wouldn't have asked for a sign from god now but I did then, and it was it was perfect for me. So then, um, in my kindergarten class, there was a pastor, and so I started connecting with him and listening to Christian radio as much as I could. And uh, yeah, really starting and being mentored by Jean. So I had really good people around me. Uh, so yeah, and I threw out all my New Age stuff, um, and just that was that was twelve years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, got baptized. Never thought I'd get baptized. Thought <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those people who go and get baptized. Like all along, it was like I'm not going to do that, but I did.
2: You know, mm-hmm. like
0: Jesus was very gentle with me, and <laughs> you know, yeah. helped me along the way. Yeah. So that's pretty much my testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. and the title of the title of my book is from New Age to New Creation. So it's about my journey. Yes. Out of the New Age
1: into the yes. light.
2: Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. So you just gave yeah. us kind of the, the <laughs> sweeping summary overview, yeah. uh, and you really lay it all out in in the book. Um, so for anyone listening that just wants to hear an amazing testimony, um, well, if you if you think that's amazing, just you know you'll be even more floored when you read the book. It's it's just unbelievable. Um, just uh, you know, it's just an interesting story to the life you lived. Was it was really interesting, and uh, just to see. Um, Man, how, how, how God was able to, to save you is just, just remarkable. I've never heard anything. Um, I've heard stories where like someone got saved and, hey, I, my, you know, my spouse or my buddy, you know, they got to get saved too kind of thing. Um, but the fact that, that you, you you and your daughter got saved, you know, in two completely different ways at the same time is just, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. Miraculous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Truly miraculous.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that story. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about, um, your friend Jane, uh, is that her name? Jane. Um, Jane, Jane. Jane. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, here you are and you're, you know, just deep, um, into new age and she's a Christian and you guys are working together. Uh, so, I mean, just on, on one hand, you see two people, with just completely different worldviews. Um, talk a little bit more about how that friendship and how you guys begin to, to speak, because, um, you know, for those that are on both sides, it's just interesting. Um, I, I love these testimonies where it's really through relationship. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of interested to know if you were like attracted to her or if she was attracted to you or if there's, you know, a bit of both going on.
0: Yeah, uh, probably a bit of both because uh, we worked in a, a kindergarten, so there was three teachers. So one teacher was an atheist, then there was me in New Age and then Miss Jean, mm. who's a born-again Christian. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was never condemning of the choices that I had made. Mm. She was always very gentle. She would ask me what I believed. That was really the starting point. Like she mm. was very interested in what I believed um, and she would take points that I would speak about and she would contrast them with um, the love of Christ, basically. And she would talk about um, she would talk about grace as opposed to the law and how, you know, the religion that I'd grown up with was probably very much the law, and she would explain that to me. So mm. she would, uh, she the door was always open for me to ask her questions about any aspect of Christianity. Um, but, you know, I was attracted to her because she's very practical but very, um, very kind, uh, and, yeah, she never condemned me. She never actually tried to change my mind, About anything she just kept giving me information uh, Mm. and she witnessed to me about her own life because her uh, husband she's still with him um, but early in their marriage a lot of domestic violence and um, you know a lot of hardship very close to what I was experiencing and Mm. she got born again and she was able to witness to him. And while he still isn't saved technically, he actually listened and saw her example and the, the, the violence actually stopped. And so, you know, I thought, well, maybe, you know, Jesus can help me with my marriage. And, and that was also a point that was very attractive to me. You know, And I, you know, when we would pray, we'd pray for my marriage and, and things like that. So, yeah, the, the attraction was that she never condemned me she was genuinely interested in my life and where I was at. And she gave me information, any sort of aspect or question I had, she would she would talk to me um, about that. So she met me where I was at. You know, that, that's yeah. how I could sum it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, that uh, spirit of gentleness. I think it, it's really insightful for the Christian now that she didn't have to like, sell you on Christianity. She was just simply a listening ear that was willing to hear what you had to say, um, which is just just a completely different approach than kind of approaching somebody with all the answers, trying to kind of school them on on the truth. Um, Not that she held back the truth, um, but it sounded like she always delivered that um, in a gentle way, in a way that wasn't threatening to you. Um, Yeah, exactly. I love that yeah that's awesome um you also mentioned something that i actually was going to ask you about this um i thought it was kind of funny when i read in your book Uh, you talked about kind of your perception of christianity as being (laughs) uh, as being boring um you kind of described you know kind of where where you got that from so uh you know i'm going to invite you to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more uh and as far as you know you know what did you find out as far as that preconceived notion uh, of Christianity and then having converted, was there like a wrestling point where you felt like you had to sort of change who you were, um, Mm. you know, kind of, how did you uh, kind of wrestle with that preconceived notion uh, after conversion? Um,
0: Well, let me say Samuel that once I converted, I just started experiencing so much joy and it was anything but boring. Mm -hmm. But I think my preconception came from my church experience as a little child, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was a feeling of being condemned and not good enough uh, and that I had to measure up in some way and that I, I couldn't have fun because in church everyone was a certain way in the church that I attended. Um, and, you know, relationship with Jesus, all about what he's done for us at the cross and the grace and the mercy, not so much what we have to do for him, you know, and that we have to be a certain way. And, you know, cause I thought Christianity, I would have to be a certain way yeah. and that I wasn't acceptable just to be myself because I was a pretty quirky sort of kid, um, and, yeah, and I love to have fun. I love to take risks and be adventurous and all of that sort of thing and be brave. Uh, and I thought that, yeah, as a Christian I would have to somehow go against who I was and become my idea of being a Christian, which was a faulty idea because right. life with Jesus is anything but boring. It's, and I say in the book it, it, it's like going from black and white TV to Technicolour. You know, it's like it just lights up the whole world, Mm. seeing the lens through the love of Jesus, you know?
1: Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because sometimes, um, you know, we can kind of stereotype the Christian based on, you know, just our view of it or our experience. Um, And I, I just love that, you know, you recognize that that's how God made you and you don't have to somehow conform to even in, in some cases, what, what people say, uh, you know, a Christian should be, obviously there's uh you know, a, a godly way to live. Um, yes. And, and, yes. And, and righteousness, of course. Um, but that idea that uh, you know, that the, the devil's having fun in hell, there's the party and, you know, it's all just sitting on clouds, listening to harps in heaven um, that, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, so that's awesome. <laughs> so I want to, um, kind of un- un- unpack, uh, your story a little bit, um, kind of going back to, uh, your childhood. One thing that I yeah. thought was really neat was as you sort of mentioned, you had a, kind of a, a fascination, um, with the other, the other side or the other world. Um, you know, however you want to phrase that, but, uh, you talked about writing, um, which is so interesting because you, you write now. And I think that's so neat that you, that, that started at such a young age. Um, what was it about writing uh, that, that you were, you know, kind of always so attracted to. Uh, and then uh, do I, I know this book is autobiographical, but do you, uh, do you write fiction as well? Today? No, no
0: fiction. Um, not today. Uh, not so far. Um The books that I've written so far are all parts of my own life which God has used for his glory. So, like, the domestic violence part, um, my special needs daughter part, my new age testimony, and the first book is really it's a devotional which I wrote when my my daughter was very, very sick. So they've all been parts of my life. Um, But the reason I think I started writing was because I read a lot. I read so much as a kid Mm. And um, so my first book, I actually wrote, I think I was 14, yeah, and it was actually a science fiction book. (laughs) I wish I still had it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I remember, you know, I could express myself because I, I was, yeah, like I said, I was a quirky kid so I had a real adventurous side but also this very introverted side where I'd write things and express myself through stories and you know in my life Samuel I've always seemed to fall into things I've never been a planner I've never been one of those people who thought I can't I'm going to do this in five years I'll be here I always seem to fall into things I, and, and it was like that with writing I just my parents bought me a typewriter for my 14th for my 14th Christmas when I was 14 my Christmas present uh, and yeah I just started just using this typewriter and And writing then. So, uh, and I wrote journals most of my life, except for during my marriage. um, I couldn't actually write in my journal because my husband would have, if he found my journal, yeah, Mm. yeah, he would have beaten me basically. Um, So, yeah, I stopped for that period of time. But yeah, coming back to it, I again, it wasn't planned coming back to writing uh because I started writing my books in 2017 and I I never planned it I was actually going to write my new age book first and then God said no I want you to stop that book and I was really quite devastated and then as it turned out when my daughter got sick he had other plans for me and I started writing out the communications I was having with him so um yeah the writing it was something that has been a constant through my life but I never actually planned it but I would say I got into it through reading lots and lots of reading yeah
1: yeah I just thought that was so um so neat that you kind of had that you know because you're a child you sort of just you know you're so young you just kind of follow your, your your passions and and it's just neat that for you that that was, that was writing, you know, before anyone sat you down and, and, and kind of taught you what it was that you sort of gravitated yeah. to that. Um,
2: yeah.
1: And uh, you said you journaled throughout that. Did you, uh, did you write poetry as well?
0: Yes. I wrote poetry. So when I was 24, I had a, a breakdown and my way of healing from that was writing poetry. So, um, and that was, yeah, again, that was something I never planned or just started writing poetry but you know I believe Samuel God's I believe God has been with me all through my life and I believe my purpose is to be a writer uh to glorify him and I think he's always been there and always kind of whispered into my spirit without me realizing it yeah to take certain paths and do things with writing
1: Mm. yeah and I think in fact you you think you wrote about that as far as you look back at your journal entry and you had this was before you got saved. You'd written something that was pretty profound that, that kind of yeah. displayed what you just mentioned. That, that really, God's spirit was was working in you during that yeah. time. Can you share yeah.
2: that?
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, after I had my breakdown, I moved to uh, a, a small country. I was lived in the bush, and I wrote poetry a lot. And I would write in my journal like pages and pages of stuff in my journal. Every little detail, pretty much. And I'd written a whole lot of stuff about um, know, the new way, different things I was doing, and then I wrote this line. It was just one line and it said, um, I thank God for where I am now and for who he is, along those lines. And it was just yeah. like this one line that really just stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm in the writing, and I, I look back at that and I thought, wow, you know, and and the sort of books that I loved to read when I was a kid, like the Narnia series uh, and A Wrinkling Time is another book, and when I look back and reread them because C.S. Lewis is, yeah. you know, amazing, apologetic, and there's God all through it. And it's like, you know, I didn't have the eyes to see it then, but it was still there, you know, yeah. um, the, yeah, the presence of God through my life looking after me and protecting me and helping me without me realizing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's 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 so incredible. Uh especially just, you know, d- despite and amongst all the um you know, I don't know, occultism, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you were you were de- souped in, in in darkness. Um yeah. and so uh you know I'll kind of uh, kind of begin to unpack that a little bit. But uh, I just think it's so neat that kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, without having to conform, God is using that, that passion that you have for writing and he's using it for his kingdom. So, you know, you don't have to fit in a certain box um, when you become a Christian or as far as how you can serve your, your church or, you know, your community, you can use, you know, whatever God's given you as your passion and you can use it, you know, for, for the kingdom. So I think that's so, so, so neat. Um, Yeah, exactly. So, Uh, Yeah, you, um, I think uh, you kind of mentioned that uh, in a young age, you were kind of fascinated with the other side. Um, And I think you wrote about uh, maybe talk about what were some of the first kind of um, things you gravitated to uh, as a child to sort of seek communication with the other side. Yes. (laughs) So, I
0: mean, I can laugh about it now, but it really wasn't that funny when I look back. Um, My best friend in, in primary school. Uh, we were 12 and uh, there was, um, yeah, we used to be inside at lunchtime because I'd, I'd had an accident and I'd hurt my back and I wasn't allowed to go out and play. So my friend Janet and I used to stay in, inside in the classroom and there was this little room out, at the back like a storeroom and I don't know how we did it or why we decided, but we decided we'd have start having seances regularly you know so um like I think every lunchtime we would have a seance and um so you know we 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 you know wrote out all the letters and we had a I don't know how we got a glass maybe we bought it from home (laughs) but um yeah we had it and we'd ask questions and you know nothing would really happen and but then on this one occasion the glass just started moving of its Mm -hmm. own accord and just terrified us, it frightened us out of our wits. So we never had another seance after that. But that was, that was the first thing that I was drawn to. And I probably got that from watching a film or reading a book or or something about, you know, seances. And we thought that'd be cool. But that was what I first thought, yeah, I want to um yes, see what we can find out from the other side. So it started off as a play thing, but it was very serious.
1: Yeah. And at the time, did you think that was was cool or was it did it scare you?
0: It was really scary. We thought it was cool up until the glass started moving by itself, and then it was really, really, it was terrifying. Yeah, I still remember that fear that we experienced mm-hmm. when this glass started moving around
1: by itself. Yeah, and that really says a lot. That's if if you, want you want to repeat think about it, <laughs> if you think about you know someone that's seeking, um, and it, and you, y'all were just kids. I mean, y'all were just basically trying to have some fun uh, but your first kind of real experience with it uh, once you got a little taste the fact that you were so scared that that fear came upon you just goes to show you that um, one it's really nothing to, to play with and, and, and yeah. two it, it's it has a dark nature um,
0: yeah very dark nature yeah. and and you know through my life there's um at least two other occasions where I've actually witnessed the demon I've witnessed demonic activity and it's just so terrifying and scary, whereas, you know, playing around with that stuff beforehand because of how it's portrayed in TV shows and books and things, it doesn't. Por- it's not portrayed as being a scary thing and the nebon- demonic realm as a really terrifyingly dark, powerful force. It's presented in a kind of a lightweight way, oh, you know, that the heroes go in and they slay the, the demons or whatever, the, but the, the fear and the terror that is part and parcel of the demonic realm that's never portrayed until, you know, it wasn't to us until we actually experienced it firsthand. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point too because there there are movies that depict like a real darkness, but I think people go into it for like a thrill and they see it as just like fiction that it's kind of harmless to kind of, you know, consume that type of material.
0: Yeah, it's entertaining like to watch it on a big screen, but it doesn't really touch you until you experience it personally.
1: Sure. And then, you know, some people, some people get their kicks like that, but, you know, I know people that they don't, they don't fool with it because they can't sleep at night. I mean, just even yeah, seeing it, right. they, the fear is, is, is that real. They kind of take it home. Yeah, um, definitely.
2: Yeah.
1: So one thing that was sort of interesting, uh, you hear a lot about this, like in, in, in occultic circles, people that are into new age are, are past lives, um, so what was your experience with that? And then looking back on it now uh, as a Christian, you know, how do you um, interpret uh, what was going on when you had this idea of past lives?
0: Yeah. So, um, again, it was that, um, that wanting to be in touch with the spiritual realm and the other side of life. And because I was into alternative healing, part of alternative healing is this notion of past lives and how um, as a soul in new age, You experience a lot of different lifetimes and each lifetime you experience is for your learning and for that soul to evolve until eventually the soul is perfected um, and you don't have any more physical lives. So um, past life therapy, new age is about um, regressing to this past life to give Mm. um, meaning to what you're experiencing in your current life and to heal whatever, you know, the aspects of that past life are. So um, to me, being in the new age, that made perfect sense. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a soul having a physical experience. I've lived many times before and um, all of that sort of thing, which now, of course, as a Christian, I don't, you know, we have one life and that's to glorify God. And, you know, we don't have multiple incarnations, um, you know, that to me now with scripture, uh backing that up and just my relationship with jesus our one life now is important and you know to make the most of that to glorify god but past life therapy new age makes perfect sense because yeah you're this soul who who is on its way to being perfected um, and reaching this place called nirvana where you know all these perfect beings live which you know, New Age is very much, and I write this in the book, it's like a counterfeit of Christianity. It takes elements of Christianity and twists them and counterfeits it. You know, and as Christians, you know, we're living our life here on in this fallen world. Um, we're living our life for Jesus, but we're going to be with him in heaven, and that is like our perfect life, you know, in heaven, where he wipes away every tear and, um, you know, we're there with him forever. Um, so New Age takes bits of that. Um, of christianity and there's a lot of examples i use in the book where that happens but new age is the counterfeit it's the shadow you know it's like satan can't create anything that is impossible for him to create anything you know but he's able to counterfeit things and he's able to um twist things around um, to make them appear good and loving and and you know, like he can appear as an angel of light. And, and that's the thing, it's like Satan can present as an angel of light, he can present in many different ways to trap mm-hmm. people, you know, because if you never know about Jesus, you're on the road to hell without realizing it, you know, like, in your age, I thought, oh, it's all about love and light, and good things and beautiful people. But you're on the road to hell, because, you know, you don't know about Jesus. And, and the gospel, and what he came to do, you know, on earth to save us, to redeem us, and to allow us to live with him through the acceptance of his gift of forgiveness, you know.
1: Yeah, and I thought that does
0: was, that make sense?
1: Oh no, totally. And I, I thought that was really interesting about your story in particular is that even though there was darkness, it really it displays in a way that it it doesn't look dark at all. It Looks very much like you know. You, you, it was very clear that you had a heart for people and that you want people to achieve healing. Um, and it's, that's really an attractive, you know, that that is enticing. There's there's part of that, that that is attractive. Um, but that's such a deception. It it reminded me of, you know, just the serpent in the garden said, you could be as gods. It's really the same story of, well, and, and, and how do you achieve that? It's looking inward, um, as opposed to what, the truth, what we know Christianity teaches is that, well, no, you have to recognize that, that you're not perfect. However, there's someone who, who is perfect that has, has taken your place and, you know, made uh, substitution so that you can take his righteousness. Um, so it's a, it's a totally different way to view things. Um, and I imagine that's just so liberating uh, coming out of something like that to, to kind of hear that concept of, okay, grace, that yes. <laughs> I'm accepted yes. how I am.
0: Yes. And and New Age, it, for me, it was very much about striving to be perfect, whereas when I, when I accepted Jesus, suddenly it was all about give me your brokenness. I love you. I'll help you. I'll give you my strength. You know, rest in me. Like it, it's so... It was, to me, it was just like a balm for my soul. All of a sudden I felt accepted and loved and and that in itself, very healing, you know. Um, yeah. So I could stop striving. I could actually rest. I could actually rest mm, when wow. I accepted Jesus. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I really got that impression. It kind of, it really was a journey. Um, in fact, I, I took a, a picture, you know, I wanted to talk about kind of, it really seemed like all throughout, um, your life until you found Jesus, you were, you were seeking and seeking and seeking and on to the next thing, trying to, um, you know, look for healing. So I kind of, I took a, a screenshot from your book of kind of everything that, that you kind of went to, um, you, you mentioned it as a list of alternative healing treatments. <laughs> it's a long list. <laughs> um, it was a. It was a can you, maybe I shouldn't listen. I mean, it's probably about twenty different things. <laughs> and half the stuff I don't even know what it is. Oh um, no,
2: this is so much.
1: But but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a it's a never-ending thing. You know, it, it just goes to show you that nothing was truly ever satisfying. You couldn't find any answers, any truth. So it was just, what else can I consume? Just trying to fix that hole. Um, it, it's just it's incredible to um, hear you mm-hmm. talk about uh, you know the difference between that. And what what Christ uh, can provide for you it, it's unbelievable. Um, so um, I want to talk about um, maybe you know you, you kind of deal with some some harder harder topics, but I want to address them because um, I think it's helpful for those that have had similar experiences. Um, so you talked about your abortion uh, in in the book. Yeah. Um, so maybe share that experience and you know how how have you dealt with that and what would you say to someone who is either dealt with that before themselves um, or, um, you know, is in that place where, um, well, I can just speak to it.
0: Well, yeah, it's a hard thing to talk about because I would say it's probably still one of the biggest regrets of my life that I was never prepared for. You know the longing for that child afterwards. You know, um, but at the time, I felt very pressured because uh, I wasn't married. I was young, uh, and I felt very pressured to have this this termination. Um, and I know I'll meet that child in heaven. I know that. Um, but when I when I look at that abortion through the lens of being a Christian and being loved by Jesus, it just it really still horrifies me that I actually I did kill that child because it is, you know, the child is is a child from the moment of conception, um, and the world, because I wasn't married, because I you know didn't have stable a stability in the relationship. Um, yeah, it just really, it seemed to be an answer, a quick fix, but it's honestly stayed with me, well, 40-odd years later. It's still mm. with me. Um, and I've, I've done a lot of healing around that, but I still feel deep regret. Uh, and looking back now at having that, if I you know, had, had that child, I would have been okay, you know, it would have been, fine to have that that baby I would have coped I had people around me but it was like this worldview of well you're not married you can't have that baby you know a lot of shame a lot of shame um yeah so I understand partly why people have abortions um and yeah but at the bottom line it's it's a, it's it's God's creation, and every soul that He creates has a, He has a plan for their life, and you might not see it, um, or well you won't see it, then, but you know, like you look at people, I think Tim Tebow is the result of a, you know, his mum tried to have an abortion. It's like, yeah, looking back now, I just, I would never have murdered that child.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it, and
2: that's what he your,
1: did. Thank you so much for for sharing that. I know it's a, it's. It, I know it's probably difficult to speak about. Did your perspective change um, after you came to Christ, or was there? Because you mentioned shame, um, was that before and after? I'm um, just wondering if, if somehow um, your perspective was different.
0: Um, the perspective of the soul was different after I came to Christ. Um, that yeah, you know we we have a one life. Um, to be used for God's glory um but yeah the shame that I felt was when I was in the world and and just deep regret always yearning um for that child um and thinking about that child I still do you know what would that child have been like boy or girl like all those sort of things um yeah uh, but different now because of the enormity of what I actually did whereas when I didn't know Christ I felt the shame and so forth but but the enormity and the preciousness of that soul, I didn't understand it. I didn't value it like I would now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't think of, you know, I guess someone from new age, the concept of the soul would be uh, totally different. So I can see how, how there would be a shift there. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's like new age says, Oh, don't worry. That soul will come back.
1: Like minimizing
0: it all. And yeah, it's not, it's nothing to be minimized. It's, you know, and it's a scary place to be in. It's a very scary place to be in, you know. Um, but, yeah, that child, God, if you're pregnant, that God has a purpose. God has a purpose for that child and a plan for their life. And, Amen. and you know,
1: and he'll equip you. I believe that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and speaking to that shame, I know some people um, feel like they have to kind of clean themselves up or they're, you know, like, like God can't save them because, their their sin is is too dark um Mm. to be saved um Mm. can you speak to that maybe
0: yeah i think i touched upon a little bit before samuel it's just that that thing of you know i couldn't become a christian because i've done terrible things and having a termination was one of them you Mm. know um yeah and to god sin is sin you know there's no big sin small sin it's all sin We all sin every minute of every day, pretty much. Um, And scripture speaks to us over and over again about God loves us. He wants to save us. He wants none to be lost. Um, Jesus will go in search of that one sheep. You know, there's nobody perfect, only Jesus. You know, we're all living in this fallen world as sinners and Yes sin is sin, so it really doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. God can save you. He can save all of us. He wants to save all of us you
2: know?
1: yeah. that's the beauty of the gospel is that yeah, yeah I mean it's that it just um, it's just that different concept of you know that's another misconception that people have about Christianity is that somehow Christians are Good people, or they're righteous, um, and if they see someone that's not that, you know, immediately they're, that that person's a hypocrite. Um, which obviously we need to strive to be righteous and to reflect Christ. Um, but what you said is, is profound: is that we don't, we can't ever keep from sinning, um, and that's why we need a savior. Um, and that's that's the beauty of the gospel: is that we continue to see God's grace, even after coming to faith. Um, it's, 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 it's a walk, but it's one that we're, we're not striving to achieve on our own. You know, it's already, you know, it's, it's already done. I noticed you did that in your book where you didn't put some huge emphasis on justification. You did um, of course have a, an incredible conversion story, but you put a lot of emphasis. I felt like um, on sanctification and, you know, your experience after coming to christ um so talk about that for a little second about you know here you are you know living uh, a life that's uh in new age and you come to christ you started listening to the radio um you know what was that experience like uh is how god was changing you since your conversion
0: Mm. Um, well, being in New Age uh and looking at all the different ways I could be healed, there was lots and lots of that list in the book. But after I came to Christ and especially started listening to Christian radio, I realized that um believing in God, having Jesus in my life, all parts of life can be embraced. So uh The Christian radio we have here in Australia is called Vision Radio, and they have they talk about um, they have focus on the family, and they talk about have people's testimonies from all walks of life. Um, They have like you know Bible study. They have all sorts of things, and they have all different preachers talking um, regularly. And so, I I started to realize that every answer that I was ever looking for outside (laughs) in New Age. It's actually found in Christ that He supplies every answer that we need to live in this fallen world. You know, mm-hmm. and that was a revelation. Like I would hear testimonies from people dealing with big stuff, people from, you know, broken backgrounds like mine. And I, I realized, you know, it's it was just such a huge Amazing world that I was opened up to and I actually realised that my new age view was very narrow and being in Christ bigger and bigger every day. Yeah, so um, radio was a good medium for me because I could just turn it on and listen to it while I was doing the housework, I could listen to it at night and, you know, the scripture is, you know, faith comes by hearing, you know, uh, it was a really easy way that I could pack stuff into my life without having to do too much, um,
2: yeah.
0: you know, because I wanted to rest. I want, you know, it's like, mm. oh. and so I could just switch on the radio and be soaked in all this good stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 I love focus on the family. They have such good programming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think when I started listening to it, it, James Dobson was still the, the host, um, yeah. I, I soaked it all in too. So I, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's um, beautiful what you said reminded me of a verse out of one of Peter's epistles. Um, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness by his own glory and goodness, something like that. Um, But it's just, it's incredible um, that yes, we can just rest um, in that um, because not only he, he, he do the work in our justification? He's also doing the work in our sanctification as well. So it's really about drawing close to, to God and him yes. making us a new creation as opposed yes. to this, let me work, 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 rules, 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 rules. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that's so awesome. Um, <clears throat> now, this was something um, I would like you to elaborate a little bit on because uh, you mentioned, it might've been a couple of times, yeah, a couple times you talked about memories. Um, so I have a kind of two questions uh, about that, but you said you had memories uh of sexual abuse, uh, and then you you kind of weren't sure where they came from. Can you uh talk about that?
0: Um yeah, uh as a young child, um, my dad did a lot of the caretaking of our family because my mom was a nurse and worked a lot of night shift. Um and During my 20s, like, yeah, I had a lot of, I guess you could call it, well, I had a lot of relationships with men, really, um, and always seeking sex, not love, but seeking sex. And as I progressed along my journey, um, for years and years, I didn't really ever have memories about my dad maybe abusing me. But when I came to Christ and I started, you know, healing, um, I started exploring the possibility of that and, you know, why why I um, wanted sex, not love, from men. And so I still haven't uncovered all of it, but, um, yeah, the memories are coming back that my dad abused me and that's why um, I had all the sexual dysfunction Mm -hmm. later in life. Yeah.
1: And was this uh, at such a young age that you forgot or was it so traumatic um, that that you forgot? Um, Probably
0: a bit of both um,
1: because I was probably about 10.
0: uh, And, you know, I've done a lot of work around trauma and what trauma does. And there's there's, uh, um, studies around people who've been abused as children who even if they remember... Their memories, um, years later, they'll have forgotten them again. Like it, it, because trauma has that capacity when it happens, and trauma comes in many different ways, um, mm-hmm. it has the capacity to kind of split people. So the memories, because the mind can't cope with what has happened, the mind buries it, puts it somewhere safe, and then the person can function. Um, yeah. But the, the trauma is always there. Uh, and right. You know, here in Australia, um, the field that I work in, I work in, um, besides my writing, I actually write positive behaviour support plans for people with challenging behaviours. It's a mouthful. But most of the people who have challenging behaviours have experienced significant trauma in their lives, either um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, um, you know, uh, a dysfunctional family unit. Um, And to some people, a traumatic event won't be so traumatic to someone else, but the point is the trauma happens um, to the person, whatever the event is that caused the trauma. So we find in this work um, that... uh, so many people who present with these challenging behaviors of you know physical aggression and so forth is it has a background of trauma and you have to take a trauma approach to help people people have to feel safe in order to heal and, and again that comes back to to Jesus there's no one safer than Jesus to heal and I I don't think I don't believe that I really would ever have healed um, or touched on the sexual abuse the way that I have since I've become a Christian because Jesus is the ultimate healer and is the ultimate safe person to go to, you know. And I've done mm-hmm. a lot of healing, um Christian counselling where, you know, we, I meet Jesus and talk to him and speak to him and and heal memories. I've
1: done a lot of that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I love so much that you're speaking of... God as a healer, because I think so many times when we hear God as a healer, we think of physical healing um, and we don't necessarily associate that. I know I I, I, my mind goes there. I don't necessarily think of the emotional healing uh, that that God does as well. Um, So that's fantastic. I'm curious because you mentioned you you had uh, access to some memories undergoing Christian counseling. How was it that you were able to recall and access those memories?
0: Well, the the Christian counselor that I I go to here in Townsville, uh, he has a process where, um, you know, you talk a little bit at the beginning about, you know, what you're there for, what you want to have help with. And then he takes you, it's like to a room or, and, and the memory just comes, whatever the memory is, whatever the memory is supposed to, whatever memory is supposed to come, that will come. And it's like he brings Jesus in. And Jesus and myself, we would talk, and, and I mean that's my experience. Someone else, it might be different with the Christian yeah. counselling, but it's a very easy, um, it's a very organic process, and I find that with my walk with Jesus that what I think might need healing, if I trust him, he reveals things at just the right time. So it's about being um, open to the healing going in the way that he wants to go in, because he knows all about us, you know. And some things are there for later, you know, there for when we're ready through him. Mm. Um, so does that make sense?
1: No, absolutely. And I was just thinking, mm. by saying what you just said, you expose New Age so much because. I remember reading your books so much of what you spoke about and what you worked with and what you dedicated so much of your time and life to was healing. Um, (laughs) So much. So, I mean, you're looking for inner healing for yourself and for, for, for others, you're, you know, leading others um, to to try to lead them to, to to inner peace and healing. And of course that came from a a good place, but it's, it just shows that even someone that would be looked at as, as a healer, someone you go to, to learn about healing and to receive healing, um, to say that you as a Christian received healing from Christ really exposes, uh, just the deception that, that you're <clears throat> in.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And, and while, while you're feeling good about things, because when I would go to healing as a new ager, I would feel great momentarily. And then, it would be like, ah, oh, feel worse, and I'd be striving, striving to find the next fix, which that's the list in the book, all the types right. of modalities there are, you know. And coming across, he's the creator. He knows everything about it. He knows we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every, the amount of hairs on our head. He knows everything about us. And it just makes so much sense to to allow him to be the healer and to work through people Um Who know Christ uh, and that He can direct things in our lives. But it comes back to trust. I think Samuel, for me, really, I I came to a point where I just said to to Jesus, and this is when my daughter was sick, but it was one of the most profound moments of my life. uh, I said, I remember saying, I was in bed at night and praying, and I said, I don't know why you're doing this, but I'm going to trust you. You know. And I really just gave it to God in that moment. And it's like this big weight just fell off me. Um, But, yeah, making that decision to trust him and trust his process because, you know, I came to the end of myself. And I'm getting better at it now, realising when I'm at the end of myself to just give it to him and let him do it in his strength that I actually don't have to do it in my strength because I was always someone who I thought, I can do it. You know, I can fix this. I can... You know, and that comes all that comes back to the the dysfunction and the trauma in my life because I built a big wall around myself and, and decided, well, I can do it. I made myself my own god. Really, I can do it. I can find the answers. I can fix things. And more and more of my Christian walk has been about realizing I can't fix anything. I actually, can't do things in my own strength. I've got Jesus to do that for me and to help me and to be with me. And that's a beautiful realization that's just like <sighs> taking a deep breath out you know yeah. it's a wow. great thing
1: yeah it's living living water it's fantastic yes. um so i want to speak you have uh, an inc- incredible story um it's another hard topic um you mentioned you were in an abusive marriage um and um speak to and you've already spoken a little bit uh, as far as <laughs> trauma but um you know speak about the marriage and how did uh, how did God re- redeem that?
0: Okay, so I was married on and off for 20 years to a, a man with a lot of mental health challenges, very abusive in every way, pretty much. Uh, I would leave him and he would always track me and I've got two daughters track us down and say that he was going to change and so forth. Anyway, uh, I came to a point probably in, so the marriage ended in 2011 and we moved up to Ingham in 2006 and I, I made the decision, then. this is before I came to Christ, that um, I'm never going to get away from this man. He's always going to track me down. And I just, I remember feeling absolutely hopeless. Um, I just thought, well, this is my life. I might as well make the most of it and try to deal with it, so when I came to christ um, for the first year, I had to keep it a secret from my ex husband so I was um, me and my younger daughter we were doing a introducing God course with our pastor, and my younger daughter my older daughter who has a disability, she would be in respite while we did that course. So I would say to my husband, oh, I'm going to be late home from work on this day. Um, I'm going to be meeting with Linda, uh, having coffee with Linda, which was true because Linda was the pastor's wife. So I had to lie but make it seem like I wasn't lying. And so I was building um, an a, a awareness of God and then who God is, who Jesus is. But that first year where I couldn't tell my husband that I'd come to Christ I used to walk on the beach every morning and say to God, please make me into the wife my husband needs. That's what my prayer was because I thought I'm doing something wrong. Um, As a Christian, I thought I've got to stay married um, because that's what God wants. God hates divorce. This was all the scriptures I was reading, but I, I hadn't gotten the awareness that, God really loves me and he would never want anyone that I was involved with, especially my husband, to hurt me the way my husband hurt me and terrorised me and, and my kids. So um, I was praying for about a year to, for God to make me into the the sort of wife my husband needed. And I came to Christ in 2010. 2011, um, we had a cyclone in Queensland, Cyclone Yasi. It's like a hurricane that you guys have, really severe cyclone. And the week before we were all preparing for it and my ex-husband had had a a back operation and he was recovering. But instead of, you know, deciding just to take his pills and for pain relief and being, you know, looking after himself, he decided he would um, smoke some pot, take some pills, drink some alcohol. Anyway, the, the night that that was happening, was a terrible night, and I do talk about it a bit in the book, um, terrible abuse to me, to the kids, uh, and I'd put the girls to bed, so they would have been 13 and 15 at that time. I'd put them to bed and I thought, well, he's quiet because we had a two-storey house, so he's downstairs. And um, I thought, there's a bit of respite here. We can, you know, I can go to bed anyway. So the kids were in bed and... All of a sudden he rang me from his phone, rang my phone upstairs. And no, he came upstairs. Yeah, he came upstairs and he started punching holes in the wall and said, get the kids out of bed. So they're sitting on the couch. He's punching holes in the wall. And this is this is one of the times I just touched on where I, I demonic activity is real. Demons are real. My husband wasn't saved and he. I remember seeing him um, probably six foot away from me punching holes in the wall and then all of a sudden it is like he flew across the room, actually flew. I remember looking at him and his eyes were very, very dark and I just looked at him and like absolutely the worst nightmare. And then he punched me in the face, actually punched me, and I remember my face kind of exploding. It was all like it was in slow motion. The kids are on the couch and God's voice, because usually up to that point, God's voice was very still and small, but it was like thunder. And he goes, this stops now. Just those three words. And I remember turning and everything sped up and I turned, ran down the stairs. I I left my kids there, but which I look back and I think, why would I have left my kids there? But they were okay. I ran next door and the neighbours were there and then we went to a refuge that night. And I realised then after that 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 was God delivering me. So he wasn't, did not want me to stay in that marriage and there was absolutely no doubt that the marriage had ended because of God's voice speaking to me that way. Um, So the prayer that I had prayed make me into the sort of wife my husband needs, it was like God God solved that situation in a completely different way to what I thought or expected he would. Mm. Yeah, so the marriage ended then and then it took me another five years to actually divorce my husband um, wow. and that's a whole other story in itself because domestic violence, there is just so much in domestic violence and, and it's just so hard to get out of. You know, uh, it affects any sort of person. Can affect men and women, any demographic, any age group. It's just so insidious and so trapping and soul destroying that any woman in domestic violence or man, it's just so hard to get out of. Mm. Uh, and I'm just so thankful that God spoke to me so clearly and got me out of that situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was like the most powerful. Um, moment in the book i mean i was just you know it was, it was difficult to read about your marriage that was um it was it, i mean goodness god bless you for real i mean uh you are a survivor i mean i just it, it's uh <laughs> it's, but it's that's god samuel yeah but yeah. that's
0: god you know that's God. You look at anyone in the Bible and people like in where we like in our world now, but all the people in the Bible—they're all broken, fallen people who had incredible things, obstacles, and you know. And God uses all of us. And God, God will be glorified. That's the whole. He will be glorified. So if He has that plan for your life and He has you, then. You know, you can survive. I, I survived anything, I think, because I knew, looking back, I could see God's fingerprints all over my life. Whereas at the time, going through the situations, I didn't. You know. Yeah. And everything, and every part of pain that I've had in my life, God has used that for mm. His glory. Like all of those books that I wrote, is all the pain He's used to transform my life. He's given me beauty for ashes. You know i could never I could never have imagined the extent or magnitude of what God has done in my life. I could never have imagined it I could never have known yeah, that that's God you know yeah. the creator of the universe loves each of us every single one of us he loves us fiercely and wants us to be saved
1: yeah it, it mm. reminds me of joseph um you know he was <laughs> joseph oh almost almost died winds up in jail and you know he you know kind of fixes things thing with his brothers he said you know what what you meant was for, for for bad God meant for good i mean it was just it's it's incredible how God can use pain and and things that the the, the ugliness uh in our life and actually use that for good it, it's unbelievable yeah. Yeah. um yeah
0: yeah, and and one of the one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible is one. It's Timothy, two Timothy, one seven, I think. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And that spirit of fear is not from God. So all of us and the people in the Bible, you, can you imagine all those parts of their life, the things they went through? They would have felt incredible amounts of fear but God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the fear comes from the enemy, but with God, we can get through those situations, but it's just not, not collapsing into that fear and letting us paralyze us so that we can never move beyond it. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: God, when, <laughs> when, you, when you shared that story about God speaking to you, um, it just I just felt the compassion uh, of a father speaking to his daughter and saying, listen, this is it. Um, Did you hear that in your head or did you hear that um, in the the room?
0: Um, It was probably a bit of both. It was like, it was like everywhere. It was like this loudest voice. I I can't really even describe it. It was just like powerful. It was like a vibration Mm. and just the gap between each word. This stops now. And then everything just sped back up again. And that's like, it was just like watching a movie. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it was just probably one of the most profound moments of my life because I knew in that instant, God, God is real. He's real. He's here. Yeah.
1: You heard his voice. Um, yeah. yeah, I asked that because, I mean, obviously, you know, he was speaking to you, but I thought if your husband, you know, he could have been speaking to your husband as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just curious if if, if he would have reacted Uh, to it um yeah
0: yeah well that's an interesting point I've never really even thought about that because he stopped he stopped and I ran yeah it was really um it was just like yeah everything sped up and it's like we all did what we did because and my younger daughter said to me because uh she said later she said as soon as I ran down those stairs it's like he snapped out of it and he said, "Oh, what's your mother done now?" So right. it's like he just snapped out of it, and and he said to my daughter, "Go over and get her. Go over and get her." So he went from being like mm-hmm. demon possessed, um, like mad, punching me to like cool, calm, and collected. Um, yeah, what's your mother done now? Go and get her. So maybe he heard. I've never asked him that. <laughs> if he heard God say that too, but
1: well, God, but you know in what? That you room, mean- so. Seemed like he was in his in, in his right mind. It seems like if he was demonically possessed, and you already established how active uh that demon was with him, you know, obviously the way he moved the, the look in his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And God himself comes and it's almost yes. like he commanded that demon. This stops now. Uh, yes. so you know, whether he whether he would have heard it or recalled it clearly, um, God was, was coming in rescuing you from a, a real life uh, entity in, 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 power. Um, and yes. it's just, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is. That's good. <laughs> incredible. I love that story. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I hate that you had to go through that. Um, but, um, it's just an incredible story of, of God's goodness. Uh, as like you said, you were to- in a totally different space, uh, as far as how, how to handle it. Um, and that just gave you that, that clarity, that peace to know that, uh, you didn't have to stay, stay married to him. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, yeah. So you talked about the domestic period in the Bible. I, I, I love that so much, um, because it, it, it's so true. Um, we don't really think about that. We, we tend to kind of put these characters from the Bible on, on pedestals and think of them as, I mean, they are heroes, but, but yeah. they're all broken as well. And so, yeah. you know, it just goes to show you that, that God, um, God uses us in in, in, in in the real world. You know, he, he doesn't pick, he doesn't pick someone who, who's all, and, and really, if you look at uh, Saul, who, who changed his name to, to Paul, you know, yeah. it was, you know, I think in his, one of his epistles, he thought it, it was that very reason why God chose him is because he was, you know, the one he was out there just with a zeal uh, against the, the church and in, in Christians and in Christ himself, as he said, when, when, when he was converted. So um, yeah, it just goes to show you that um, God's going to use us despite of our weaknesses, um, yes. which is so cool.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: And, and he does that, like that's how he can be glorified, you know, like, so he, he can get mm. the credit,
2: yes. which is yes. very
0: reassuring. You know, it's yeah. very reassuring. It's like it kind of lets us off the hook a bit if we just if we're obedient. Okay, we'll do what he wants us to do, which is it's very hard, but you know, it's it's a reassuring thing It's like, well, he's got this covered, so I can just relax. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I can just do what he wants me to do. Once you once I got over stuff like with writing and so forth, because the enemy would often say to me, Oh, who's going to read your books? And it's like, well, I don't care. I'm writing them because God wants me to write them, you know, and then, you know, the rest takes care of itself. However, God wants it to happen, you know. Um, Yeah, it's like it's very reassuring to have a God who will equip us and help us, but we've got to be willing and get past that fear and that pride of thinking, oh, who are we to serve God, you know, because there's a bit of pride in there. It's like, no, humble yourself. It's okay. I've asked you to do this. Just do it, you
2: know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, I got to say, uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. I will put a link to your, uh, to your book in the show notes for anyone that's interested, can, can pick it up and, and read it. Um, man, uh, such an incredible story. So um, I invite you to share. If you have a website, share it and let people know where they can get your books, uh, and yep. share any final thoughts, and you can close us out in prayer. Yeah.
0: yeah, sure. So, just one other thing I just wanted to touch upon quickly uh, that I used to do when I was in New Age is yoga. Mm. So, uh, I write a bit about yoga in the book, and a lot of I find a lot of Christians they'll say, Oh, what's wrong with doing yoga? But, you know, what I found um, with yoga and the origins of yoga is the meaning of yoga means yoke okay so mm. intrinsic in the dna of yoga is yoking ourselves to other gods right mm. and it's exodus 23 you, you shall have no other god before me and jesus talks about him being our yoke in it's matthew 11 take my yoke so i always have a caution for people christians doing yoga in that it's not just stretching, it's actually opening that doorway where you're actually inviting other gods in. Um, Mm. Like it's fine to do stretches and things, but yoga itself, there are many gods and they're all um, to do with those different poses. Each of the poses is saluting a different god. So um, that's really the only other thing I wanted to talk about. The root of yoga is being yoked to other gods. So you know, I know there's Christian people say, oh, but there's Christian yoga. Well, there's really not Christian yoga. Yoga is yoga. You can do stretching. That's a different thing. When you do those poses, there's a whole route that mm. intrinsically you bind yourself to.
1: Yeah. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um,
0: that's okay. Uh, and I've got a, a website and it's it's www.meredith.com swift.org so um there's stuff on there about my books and I've got a bit of a blog I'm a bit slack with my blog lately I think I need to do a bit more of my blogging um yeah it's just time management uh, but yeah people are welcome to contact me if they'd like to I always love talking about my testimony and coming out of the new age yeah because uh, There's a much bigger world in Christ than there could ever be in the new age. Yeah. And thank you, Samuel, for for inviting me on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for
1: coming on. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll close in prayer?
1: Yes. Yeah?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Heavenly Father, our precious Jesus, Lord, we just thank you and we praise your name for this time that I've had with Samuel and to all the listeners. I thank you for Samuel and his ministry, uh, which glorifies you and brings, uh, you know, some different sorts of ways of of looking at uh, scripture and different people. And, yeah, Lord, I just thank you for his open heart and his willingness. And, Lord, I pray that uh, our conversation today has touched hearts and opened minds and, you know, uh, caused people to to think about uh, their lives and, and just how big you are, Lord, just how you can handle anything, uh, just how you are the creator and the one who loves us just so fiercely that he laid down his life and you died for us on that cross, Lord. So I thank you, Lord. Uh, I just ask that uh, all those who are watching be blessed in your holy name. And, uh, yeah, I thank you again for this opportunity to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.
1: there you have it ladies and gentlemen hope you enjoyed if you did make sure to share this with somebody you know like and subscribe if you're watching on youtube if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app leave us a rating and review you can email me at the weird christian podcast at gmail.com and with that being said we'll catch you on the next one